We are uh, in a series of messages, and thank, first of all, thank you for being here today to, to uh, help us in that, uh, that moment that I think a lot of us will remember, okay? Uh, we're in a series of messages about passing on the faith, and we're calling it Leaving uh, a Legacy, the way the faith is passed on biblically, uh, the first way at least, the number one way at least that the faith is passed on is um, family by family by family by family. Now, obviously, it can be passed on a lot of other ways, but biblically, it is assumed that that faith will be passed on from parent to child, from grandparent uh, to grandchild, and so forth and so on. So it is our responsibility as Christian parents and Christian, uh, grandchildren, uh, Christian grandparents and Christian adults to be able to pass the faith on. And, and we said... A couple of weeks ago when we started the sermon series that if we're going to pass on the faith what we believe is not nearly as important as what we do okay it's really great that I believe all the right things it's really great that I understand God's Word uh, it's really great that I understand the doctrine of the Church of the Nazarene or whatever that would be but it's, it's infinitely more important what I do with that belief as it works out in my life in fact, you will do great detriment to any child, any grandchild, any person that's looking to you as a model in the faith if you say one thing, but you live a different way. Now, in a perfect world, what we believe should work out in our life. In a perfect world, the things that we believe should naturally flow into our life, but we don't live in a perfect world. And we all know of times in our life and we know in times of other people's lives where what they said they believed contradicted how they led their life. So the first thing we said a couple of weeks ago, that if you want to pass on the faith, it's a whole lot more than just what you believe. And I'm not putting down, and it's got to start that. It's got to start with some kind of uh, head knowledge and some things that you believe. But as I've told you a hundred times, it's got to make that very difficult 18-inch trip down to your heart, and that's a long, long way for a lot of people. We came back and said last week that if you want to pass something on, you must possess it first. And we went to Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is an Old Testament passage about passing on your faith. And it doesn't really say, make your kids believe this. Make sure your kids understand this. Make sure your kids believe this. It basically starts off by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Then it says, impress them on your children. Um, you can't pass on what you don't possess. So the first thing in passing on the faith, according to the Old Testament writer, was you, me, us who are in concerned with passing it on, it must be in us. The scripture says love. The scripture didn't say serve. The scripture didn't say obey. That those are great words, and they appear in other places in scripture. But at least right here, it says you need to be in a relationship with God that is a heart relationship. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts it's not something that is just in my head it's not something that I I just do and I don't have any kind of attachment to them they're to be in your heart so friends if you want to pass anything on if you want to pass anything on you must possess it 
if you want to pass anything on, it's not about just talk. It's about how you live. Uh, Greg McAfee was in the first service, and I looked, uh, as I was preaching this, I looked over to Greg, and I just thought about if he, if he somehow wants to pass on the way he runs his company, he can't just do it but with a manual, that this is the way we do things here. He's got to model that. The same thing for Brian Stahl. Manuals are good. You have to have instructions. But if you don't live that manual, if you don't work that out in your life, you're not passing anything on. It'll all go for naught. What you've heard me say many times and in, in, in as we pass on, uh, uh, leave this legacy, the legacy we obviously want to leave is a legacy of faith. You can leave all kinds of legacies. You can leave a legacy of honesty. You can leave a leg- legacy of integrity. You can leave a legacy of, of hard work. You can leave a legacy of loving the Ohio State Buckeyes. You can leave a legacy of, of loving NASCAR. All, you can leave lots of legacies. But obviously in a church context, we're talking about leaving a legacy of faith. The Bible defines faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Well, the Bible says, now faith is confidence. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and insurance of what we do not see. Of what we do not see. See, whenever I think of faith, many times we read, read the word belief in Scripture. And the word belief in Scripture is used many times uh, synonymously with the word faith. But I think of the passage in James chapter 2, verse 19. In James chapter 2, verse 19, it, this, this whole chapter 2 is about faith and works. And says, so if you really have faith, you'll have works. If, you works. if you don't have works, then you don't have faith. The Bible says those two things are, 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 go together. And, and James says, uh, you believe you believe there's a God? If I was writing a paraphrase of the Bible, the Atherton, uh, the AIV, or whatever it would be, okay, um, you know what I would put here? You believe that there is one God? Big deal. Even the de- demons believe that. The demons believe in God. The, the demons could be called believers. <laughs> so it must be more than just a mental assent to some truths. And that's what James is arguing through chapter 2. He says, if you believe, it'll show up in action in your life. James basically is saying, don't just tell me that you believe something. I believed some things till I was 34 years of age when I finally got saved. I was raised in a Christian home. I, I, I knew a lot about the faith. But it never had any outworking in my life. I always had a mental assent to some truths. Statistics will tell you 90 plus percent of people today believe in God. (laughs) When we're talking about faith, when we're talking about belief, it it is not just, uh, yeah, I I, I believe that mentally. It's, that works out in my life somehow faith and works and works and faith are all mixed and mingled together and so that's why I've told you here that the next thing I have up there for you is that is that believing there is a God is not biblical faith it 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 is biblical faith but it's not all of biblical faith just believing that there is a God there there is an action component to this on how you live your faith 
And that's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul writes here that we walk, in this translation it says live, we walk, we live by faith and not by sight. Do you know that doubt is not the opposite of faith? You know what the opposite of faith is? And some of you won't like this. This will push some of you because it doesn't sound too spiritual to say it, but it's true. The opposite of faith is certainty. The definition of faith was faith is the confidence that we have. Christopher was, went, to, went to the prom last night, and so he got in kind of late, and so we excused him from uh, the first service, and, and uh, he and Levi were coming together for the second service. Now, I had a confidence that Christopher will heed that alarm and get up, but um, I wasn't sure of it. <laughs> but there he is. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six. You cannot please God except by faith. You cannot please God except through a life of faith. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, and it's the next scripture that we have up here. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. We, we have a a little blanket down here for Hannah, and I see this little pink a bag that this blanket is in. I don't have to have any faith that's that there. It's, I, I see that. That's certainty. I don't have to have any faith in that. Certainty is the opposite of faith. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I didn't see that. I've read where eyewitnesses wrote about it. I haven't seen that. Am I absolutely certain that that happened? Not in the, the uh, understanding of the word certain. I take that by faith. And somehow God says that pleases him. That pleases him. <laughs> we walk by faith not by sight who hopes for what they already have verse 25 says but if we hope for what we do not ha yet have we wait for it patiently <laughs> how do we pass on a legacy of faith how do we walk by faith one of the things is is that we're honest with it and faith is 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 not something we touch and faith is not something that we see and faith is not something that that we necessarily feel I've, 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 some of you know who Bill Gaither is, and Bill Gaither has probably done as much for, for Christian music as, as, as uh, many hymn writers and songwriters have. But I've heard Bill Gaither talk about that he wishes he could feel like some people seem to feel. Some people just seem to, that their faith is so real they can touch it. And, and he says, it's never been that way for me. And, and he says, I believe and I believe, but I just don't feel the way some... I said, I want to I feel, but for some reason, God has never really given me that. But then he says, I trust him 
all the same. I trust him all the same. Faith is believing even when we don't see it. When you see it, it is no longer faith. When you see it, it is no longer faith. Now, sometimes we see things with spiritual eyes that unbelievers don't see. Back when we, they first started space ec exploration, if some of you are old enough to remember that the Russians beat us up by a few months and, and, and uh, the first Russian cosmonaut came back and said, I, I was up there all the way through there. And he said, I didn't see the heavens anywhere. I didn't see God anywhere. John Glenn went up a few months later and said, I saw God everywhere. Um, scripture says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. There's something we see as believers. Now, it's not like seeing, like I'm seeing that stone wall back there. But we can discern, we can see things spiritually. It's still a faith thing, but we know it. We don't know it with certainty, but we know it. I cannot please him unless I have faith. And with faith, there will always be a certain degree of uncertainty or it wouldn't be faith. God is pleased when we walk with him even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God is pleased as we walk through him, with him, and we don't see and feel and touch, but we have faith. Somehow God has chosen to be pleased by that. Now we have three words that I've already used probably, and they're all interchangeable in Scripture. Faith equals belief equals trust. Uh, probably my favorite word, it's just Mark's opinion, it's probably my favorite word of that is 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 trust, probably my least favorite is belief because of, of James 2.19 that I read you, that, that belief in God is not nearly the same as believe in God. I almost preached this morning, took some verses and, 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 and showed, do, do we believe these verses? Do we just believe in God or are we believers of these verses? Do we take God at his word? That's what it means to be a believer. It's the old, the old illustration that you've heard pastors all over the place uh, talk about a, a guy walking across a, a, a tightrope uh, over Niagara Falls and he walks across the uh, tightrope and, and uh, one guy says, uh, says and, the, and the guy that did that looked back and says, do you believe I could put you on my back and walk across? He says, yeah, I believe that. He says, well, come on, get on. He goes, no. <laughs> he didn't believe, did he? He believed there. but he didn't believe here. So when faith equals belief equals trust, you automatically think about Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Some of you have known this, these verses all of your life. Trust in the Lord. It could very easily say, have faith in the Lord. It could very easily say, believe in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct or he will make your path straight. The question I want to answer for you, at least quickly, is how is it we walk by faith? 
Well, how is it that our kids can see us walk by faith? If faith is not a mental ascent, a mental ascent to some truth, if it's not a mental, mental thing, then it must be a walk thing. It must be a life thing. It must be a day after day, rubber meets the road, one foot in front of the other kind of thing. How do our kids see us walk by faith? This verse tells us that we, we have faith and we have trust when things happen that we do not understand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Our, our kids, our grandkids, anybody coming after us in the faith need to see us cling, have faith, have trust, have belief when things happen that we do not understand. When life throws us a curveball when life comes out of left field and something comes into our life that we had no clue was coming there's an opportunity for us to walk by faith you all have seen people as as many people as i probably that life threw them a curveball life came at them from left field something they, they never ever expected and because that was such an outlandish thing, a thing that they could never, ever believe, they wondered, why in the world did this happen to me? Jen, Jen wrote about it in her, her testimony there. Some people at those times cling to faith, and some people at those times do not cling to faith. And there are people today that are not walking with the Lord anymore because life threw them a curveball that they somehow could not reconcile and could not understand. Life is full of ups and life is full of downs. I don't know anybody's life that is like this. By the grace of God, we could hope our emotions and the way we deal with it is like this, but not very many of us do it that good, right? Me included. Our life is like this, and it's through the ups and downs in life that we hold to Jesus and have faith and trust. It's easy to hold to Jesus here. <laughs> Am I the Christian here? Excuse me, am I the Christian here that I am here? One way to pass on the faith. One way that your family can look at you and say, I'm not sure about this faith, but it's real in mom's life. It's real in dad's life. It's real in grandpa's life. Is that when life throws you a curveball, when you had no clue that this was coming out of left field, that you walk with God when things are happening that you do not understand. Lean not on your own understanding. Let me tell you, friends, if you, and this, is, this totally goes against secular understanding, but if you are a person that has to have life totally figured out, you're going to struggle as a Christian. If, if you're a person that has to have every blank filled in, if you're a person that has to have an answer for every single question of life, you are going to struggle as a Christian because there's much that we go through that there are not answers for. The secular world belittles us for that, but maybe that's the time that we please God when we walk by faith. I've told you this story before, but I, the best basketball player I ever coached was at high school in Indiana. And 
Kirk Gentrop was a sophomore, and I'd had him basically, I'd had some control over him since he was a seventh grader. And everybody knew Kirk was, was going to be a Division I basketball player. When you're raised in Indiana, you want to go play for the Hoosiers, and he certainly had a good shot at it. He was playing left field in, as a sophomore after his sophomore season where as a sophomore he started for the first time and averaged 19 points a game as a sophomore and, but playing left field on a sunny afternoon out of nowhere, out of nowhere. Talk about a curveball. A lightning bolt came and struck the outfield fence and ricocheted and, and he fell dead never to be revived. One of those stories that you hear about, straight-A student, great kid, mom and dad were good Christians, and, and Kirk was growing in his faith. I have no doubt that he would have been a very sincere young man. Gone. When I saw him in a casket, there was a burn mark right here. When I got that news, I was a very young Christian. I didn't know anything. I was still, I was still young. I was spiritually mature. I didn't know anything. Well, I remembered a passage that from, was from uh, Isaiah, Isaiah 55. There's uh, uh, basically God speaking. says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Can I ask you something? How much of an egotist do you have to be or do I have to be if we think we got God figured out? How much of an inflated view of me do I have to have to somehow think God's thoughts should be my thoughts? How could you worship a God that you could figure out? Because he's on your level. Don't you want a God with a certain mystery? How, how, how can you raise your hands and praise to a God that you can figure out? How can you bow your knee to a God that you can figure out his ways? I got the news about Kirk and I did what you're not supposed to do. I... I opened my Bible, and I started just, hopefully, I, I, I'd get a, hopefully I'd get a scripture. But eventually, that, I, you're not supposed to do that, and I was young and dumb and didn't know anything about it, but eventually God led me to Romans chapter 11. For in Romans chapter 11, um, it says, Oh, the depths and the wisdoms of the mercies, with the translation I read at that time. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond finding out or tracing out. Who has ever known the mind of the Lord or who has ever been his counselor? I promise you, I promise you, as I read that verse, I closed my Bible That was good enough for me. And I wonder at that time in my life, if I couldn't have accepted some things by faith, what would have happened to me as a Christian? 
I wonder for you, I, I look at Harold and Vita and the difficulty that they've been through with their kids. If they could not just take some things by faith and rely on God's understanding and not lean on their own understanding and know that his, his thoughts are not their thoughts and his ways are beyond finding out. See, I can worship a God like that. Oswald Chambers is one of the greatest writers of all time and, and, and wrote one of the most famous devotionals of all time. And he says, trustfulness is based in, on confidence in God whose ways I don't understand. If I did, there would be no need for trust. If I did, there would be no need for trust. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I want to share one more thing with you and we're going to let you go home. It comes right from this Proverbs 3 passage. Because it says, even though it doesn't say it in these words, it's, it says it there. It says, trust God when you're faced with uh, a decision in life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In this next phrase, I've always understood that to be. It said, in all your ways, depending on your translation, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. We all face decisions in life. Most of them are, are tremendously small. Most of our decisions that we face are tremendously small. But we face hundreds of decisions every single day. Our life is nothing more of choices. You've heard me say a hundred times that our life is nothing more than the sum total of all the choices that we make. That's all our life is. It's the sum total of all the choices that we make. But some choices are pretty important and much more important than other choices. And, and, and we have to be able to make those choices and and we so much want God to speak to us. We so much want God to give us handwriting on the wall. Can I tell you I've never had handwriting on the wall? Don't expect it. God has done some miraculous things in this word. But they don't seem to be repeated that often in the miraculous. He does miraculous things among new people groups that he's trying to inspire faith. So you do have examples of handwriting on the wall in Scripture. One. Don't rely on God to, to, to um, bring thunder and lightning and you, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. What, what faith would you need if that was the case? You know how you make decisions in your life? You acknowledge him in all your ways. I used an example in the first service. Bobby Walls, after, I don't know, 25, 30 years of working for Coca-Cola, has, has quit Coca-Cola and gone to r &L. That's a big-time decision, man. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big decision. Bobby plays bass up here for us. Now, Bobby didn't receive handwriting on the wall there. That's a big-time decision, man. You put, in, you put in your life with one company and there's retirement and all that kind of stuff involved and for the last three or four years of your working life you're going to go with another company. That's, that's a big time decision. 
Bobby didn't receive handwriting on the wall. Bobby didn't have lightning bolts in the sky on that. Bobby prayed about it. Bobby thought about it. Bobby talked to Pam about it. Bobby got advice about it. In all your ways, acknowledge God. Now, God, God, if, if I'm making the wrong move here by going to RNL, boy, God, you better stop me. You, th- you throw a roadblock up here. God, I, I don't want to make the wrong move, and I'm certainly capable of making the wrong move. God, you, you, I, I, need you to, I need you to lead me. If you're not going to do it by handwriting on a wall or thunder and lightning in the sky, you do it some way. You just shut it down. In all your ways, acknowledge him as you make decisions. Friends, don't expect, well, God, if, 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 if you... If I see a cow walk across the road at 12.07 a.m. on Route 35, then I'll take that as your will that I'm supposed to quit Coke and go to r <laughs> Grow up, Christian. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what does the verse say after that? And he will direct your path. Many of you know Sherry Thompson. And the Sunday after you all, the the Sunday before you all were voting on me as your pastor 11 years ago, whatever it's been. So I preached that 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 sermon and I wasn't going to be here the Sunday you voted for me so I preached a sermon I think I preached five reasons not to call me as your pastor and and you still did for some reason and and Sherry came up to me in her Sherry way and Sherry's the sweetest ladies I've ever met in my life but she goes she pointed a little finger in my face do you know God has called you to this church Well, I could lie and sound real spiritual. Or I could tell her the truth. And I said, Sherry, the best way I know to understand God's will, it seems like this is a door he's open. But am I absolutely certain? It's a faith venture, friends. It's a faith walk, friends. It's not by certainty. It's not by sight that we please him. It's by faith that we please him. And I can sound super-duper spiritual. God told me yesterday morning at 3 a.m., God woke me up in the middle of the night. And I'm not saying that God is not incapable of doing that because he is. He just doesn't work with me that way that often. And as I talk with other Christians that I deeply respect. It doesn't seem like he works with them that way either. This is a faith walk. Trust God when you've got a decision to make. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Acknowledge him throughout that decision-making process. As you weigh the pros and cons, as you get advice, which is a scriptural thing to do, as you pray about that, 
acknowledge him. You're not going by the seat of your pants. God, if you don't direct this decision, I'm going to mess it up. I know me, God. I'll mess it up. Open doors. Close doors. Bring people into my life, out of my life. Trust God with that decision and his promise. And his promise, acknowledge God in all your ways and he will direct your path. Amen and amen and amen. I'm not even going to go here as my last point, but I've, I've, I'll just stick it up there real quick, Amy. When the future seems uncertain, And I attach that to the little last part of that scripture. And he will direct your path. You don't know what the future, who knows what the future holds? Well, I don't know what's coming up around the bend. I don't know what's coming around. Who knows what's coming up around the bend? There's not a one of us that know what's coming up around the bend. Any of us tomorrow could get hit out of left field with a curveball. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your future. That doesn't mean that your future is going to be great. That doesn't mean your future is going to be easy. That doesn't mean it's just going to be a roller coaster ride to heaven. But God's promises is there that he will be directing that. Wow, what a promise. And that promise is contingent upon acknowledge him in all your ways. Acknowledge him and all the hundreds of choices that you have in your life. And the promise is, he will direct your future. <laughs> How do you walk by faith? Well, we could talk about a lot of ways. We could talk about a lot of ways. But you trust him when you just don't understand. You just don't understand. When you've got major decisions to make, you trust him. By acknowledge him in all your ways. When the future seems uncloudy, and it's uncloudy for every single one of us. And I know that doesn't seem realistic, but you know it's true. You go, I'm going to retire in three years. Yeah, yeah, but but I don't know what's going to happen between now and three years. What could come into our lives and now in three years? The, the future is, is, is uncloudy for every single one of us. If we're presuming on the future, friends, I love you, but we're fools. We have no clue what tomorrow brings. But the old song says we know who holds tomorrow. That's walking by faith. Our servers are coming to the table to help us out in this faith walk. Jesus gave us Jesus gave us something visible because he knows how we are as human beings and we like things we can touch and, and, and feel and, and all of that. So he gave us something called communion that even though we haven't seen the cross of Christ and we've never talked to anyone who's seen the cross of Christ, there's something that he's given us to, to remind us. And in our case, the weekly reminder of that he body was broken for us and and maybe that little visible thing helps it's not the real thing it it doesn't turn into the body and blood of christ and all that it's it's a it's a symbol 
but maybe it helps that this was the body of Christ that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us. I, th I think communion, Lord's Supper, is a way that, that God condescends to our humanness and lets us feel and touch and even taste something of the realness of what all of this is. And that helps us to have faith and helps us to be able to step out and walk by faith.